Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. It's an actual interview with an actual other human being for the first time in many moons. I have with me Bear A. Bear. Uh, they describe themselves as a life coach for liberation, a radical business consultant, and a social justice educator. Um, I've personally worked with them for coaching and business consulting um, as a client, and I love them very much. Hello and welcome, Bear. Yay, you're here. Hi, thanks. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Yay, it's so good to have you. It's so good to be with anyone at any point during the pandemic, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> so real, so real. <laughs> That's where we are. So at some point we were talking, I don't remember when, time is meaningless, and you said to me something that just blew my fucking mind, and then I was like, I don't even know how to begin to dive into that. And it was like, you you cannot conflate capitalism and commerce commerce, the exchange of goods and services is always going to happen. And that doesn't necessarily equate to capitalism. And I felt so out of my depth to even begin to talk about that. It was like, you, I can't bullshit like, ah, oh, yeah, I know. I don't know. And I wanted to just have you back to sort of talk about those things because as business owners and people that own businesses are listening, um, it's easy to get those things conflated and weird. And so I just wanted to go deeper into there. Um, starting with, can you walk me through the places where we might think capitalism and commerce are just exactly the same thing? Like, I never made the distinction, so I don't have any shame about that. I'm just like, let's talk more about that, please. Yeah, so... I guess the first thing that I want to say is that I'm not, I feel like I need to like give some qualifiers that like, I'm not an expert in any of this stuff. I didn't study any of this in school. All the things that I, I know about, I'm like not an academic and I, all the things that I know about capitalism in particular and systems of oppression in general comes from like doing my own kind of like reading and like taking, you know, trainings with people and studying and, you know, being in community. But I, I'm, I'm by no means, there are many, many people who have like much more kind of like book smarts about capitalism. Um, and, I, and I'm not one of those people. <laughs> and that's actually what I love because I don't want to read a 719 page dissertation in order to sort of vaguely feel like I sort of understand a concept maybe. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, I, I think that's also where I'm coming from. And so, yeah, so my my sort of like layperson's take on that is really that like, um, the thing that makes capitalism capitalism is the way that it, uh, the way that it is working to um, facilitate sort of like constant growth. And, uh, and the way that it does that is through exploitation, right? And we can like dig into more of what that looks like and what that means. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, its purpose is to like use money as a way to amass power. Um, so that's like capitalism in a nutshell, right? And so then commerce is really just like the buying and selling of goods and services. And that is, is a thing that long precedes the system of capitalism. Like people have been buying and selling things, uh, exchanging goods and services for so long. Um, and that to me in and of itself is not problematic. There's nothing wrong with us saying you, you know, raise cattle and I grow vegetables and we're gonna like exchange those things for each other, right? And there's not even really any problem with like assigning a monetary value to that to facilitate 
more complex exchange between more people. Right. Like three goats are worth more than three carrots. That makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or like, you know, if they're if you got the goats and I've got the carrots and somebody else has the the, you know, cheese or whatever, then like if you want the cheese, but I want, you know what I mean? Like once you start adding more, uh, more goods and services, sometimes there needs to be like some, some symbolic, uh, you know, currency that can be exchanged instead of just like a direct one for one. Sure. Um, and so like money has existed and commerce has existed for a really long time. Well, before capitalism was like doing its thing, fucking up the world. Right. Okay, so yes. some of the that's just the way it is things that we believe about capitalism, because that's just the way it is that we've grown up with. We, we're not like 400 to 700 years old, <laughs> any of us. <laughs> um, so what is it? some of the things you can point to that are like, it's always been that way, or that's just the way it is, but it doesn't actually have to be that way. And that's an open question so that you can take it anywhere you would like to go with it. Ooh, that's such a good question. There are so many things that are like that, that, that seem like um, just the way it is or like normal or like natural that are actually the effects of systems of oppression. And that's like, you know, going well outside of talking about capitalism. But I think about things like the gender binary. Um, I think about things like uh, nuclear family systems, uh, compulsory heterosexuality, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, white supremacy, uh, patriarchy, basically all of these things that seem like, oh, that's just the way that it is. And like, actually all of those were, all of those are like human constructions that have been sort of imposed upon us in like relatively recent history in terms of like the span of, you know, human time. Right, of human consciousness, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it makes me think of that. Is it Ursula Le Guin, that quote that she talks about, like the divine right of kings? Um, do you know this quote that I'm talking about? She talks about how like the divine right of the divine right of kings, capitalism seems inescapable, but so did the divine right of kings. Like that was just like how things were mm -hmm. for forever. Um, and then we have to sort of, uh, you know, imagine beyond it in order for it to start to crumble. Um, I'm probably actually butchering that quote, but that's the. <laughs> no, it makes yeah, but it makes that's the gist sense. of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what have you? This is so fascinating to me. Um, what have you learned about capitalism as a result of the past year? And I can tell you what I thought I would learn, and then didn't. Um, when the pandemic first started, I was like, "Oh, okay, this will be what it takes for capitalism to die." Because we can all see how horrible and terrible this is, how much suffering there is, and how this this shit needs to stop, and we need to get our shit together. Meanwhile, Jeff Bezos like what triples his you know his right. worth like sixty six kajillion billion dollars right now. Um, so, as a person who has long been engaged with observing capitalism as a whole, was there anything that you noticed or learned about capitalism in this like very specific weird pandemic time? What's happening mm. I mean I think I already knew that like financially many people were like really in a sort of desperately bad situation and I think that got illustrated really clearly this year and I feel like I like saw that with more um clarity and in greater detail than perhaps I have I have seen um I think I also, uh, this seems so uh, pessimistic, which I am, I'm not actually a pessimistic person, but I feel like I, I really learned the, um, I learned about like the ruthlessness of hyper wealthy people mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and just like how, yeah, no, like we have seen just like human suffering on such a grand scale this year. Um, and it, I feel like it really gets revealed how little um, those hyper wealthy people, the Jeff Bezos of the world, because you can't talk about capitalism in this day and age without talking about that guy. Right. Um, it's Jeff right. Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the same old cishet white assholes. There they are doing their thing, collecting their billions. Right. Right. And just like how the the sort of like 
if this did not if this did not make those people want to sort of like change how they're doing things like nothing nothing will actually yeah no if half a million americans dying and doesn't do a goddamn thing then the next half a million won't either right but it's, yeah 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 um so how did you get to be anti-capitalist because that's a thing that you describe yourself as and so where did where and how did that sort of descriptor for yourself begin yeah i think um i think you know the the thing for me was like uh, as a working person so like in my in my adult life i uh you know before i was self-employed i just had jobs um and my my jobs were all sort of service industry related i worked in restaurants for you know 10 or 12 years um before and overlapping with being self-employed and uh it, when i started working for myself i was really concerned with um I was really concerned with accessibility. I was really concerned with like, how do I make sure that like anybody who wants to buy the things that I'm selling can have access to them. Um, and I feel like part of that is just a, by virtue of having grown up poor, mm -hmm. um, that I like had real life lived experiences of not being able to have the things that I wanted because my parents didn't have the money for it. Um, and I'm not talking about like, you know, I couldn't have fancy things. I'm talking like, you know, we, there, there, there was like real, you know, like real shoes, work. pants, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like basic, right. like I have to go to school and I require clothing to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we were always, I, there was always something to eat and there, I was, I never went naked. Uh, we were never homeless, but like there was, you know, there was real scarcity. So, mm -hmm. um, I feel like my my own kind of so I sort of go like oh, I think I've been an anti-capitalist since I was like five and I had my first experience of like class-based shame um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh but in terms of like actually having a political analysis around it I think that didn't come until you know until a lot later and um I, I think in my in my work life I was really committed to people not being priced out um and starting to look at the ways that uh, that our pricing structures can really um, either enforce or uh, undermine uh, capitalist ideals. Um, and so I, you know, when I say I'm anti-capitalist, I don't necessarily mean that I hold like a strong political ideology of what else should be like, I don't I don't strongly identify as a socialist, although I, you know, I think I think socialism is probably a pretty good idea, but like I don't hold that as like a political identity. I don't identify as a Marxist. Like I don't have a, you know, a sort of idea of like exactly what the right thing on a mm -hmm. large scale societal level would be the right thing to do instead. But for me, like the the you know um, title or the the label of anti-capitalism means like. I see that this thing that we're doing is really, really not working. And my heart like yearns for a world where we can engage around money in a more humane and equitable way. Um, <laughs> and that's like sort of what I mean by, I mean, I mean lots of other more specific things about it, but that's like the sort of deepest, you know, soul place of my, of my own kind of anti-capitalist position. And um, yeah, you know, I just started like offering the things that I was offering, like on a sliding scale and seeing how that worked. And then, you know, as I started to grow in my business and, and offer more things and charge more money for that stuff, like really um, wanting to find the balance of like being able to actually make a living doing the work that I was doing and also really not wanting to um, inadvertently start enacting, you know, exploitation uh, through my work. Sure. And you mentioned the uh, pricing structures that uphold the sort of tenets of capitalism. Is there anything specifically, any like example or two or three examples um, that you see sort of regularly happen, um, especially with entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, even especially if they don't like mean it? Um, I know one that I've seen over and over again, I was just talking to uh, my friend about this, was uh, that payment plans often a pro like a product or program will cost X. 
And then if you want a three month payment plan, that's like X plus 10%. And if you want a six to nine month payment plan, that's often like X plus 25%. Yeah. Um, so that's just like, <laughs> well, tough shit, you're poor. So you're going to pay 25% more. Yeah. Um, is there anything, any of those sorts of mistakes that are like, oh, that's where I'm upholding capitalism. And I'm not even necessarily meaning to, it's just sort of what everyone does. So I do it too. Yeah, I think that that's, that's like a super straightforward one. And, and that's definitely one that's extremely common. Um, I think there are lots of lots of other ones. Uh, you know, one is um, uh, the way that we uh, sort of like make people jump through hoops to access. Uh, I think lots of like well-meaning, particularly service-based businesses will offer like scholarships for things or discounts for, you know, for marginalized people, but then um, sort of put a lot of like uh, hoops to jump through where people have to like prove their poverty or prove their deservedness of, mm. of a discount. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is like low key uh, buying into capitalist ideas that, um, you know, that are, that are worth us connected to uh how much money we have <laughs> and then we have to uh you know we have to sort of like prove our our deservedness of of access to things um yeah there's probably lots more uh that are coming to mind that that are not coming to mind at this moment but the I, the other one which is um i think does not fall into the camp of like things that people maybe are doing inadvertently but this is sort of my my current um my current anti-capitalist soapbox yeah, hit it. <laughs> is that I actually think that, um, that businesses should let anyone access all of their services for whatever price someone can afford to pay. <laughs> Which just sounds so preposterous even to me that I say it and I'm like, oh, I can't believe this is what I actually believe, but it's so true that like, I think that, um, I don't think that we all have to give away all of our work for free, but I think that there, in order for things to be actively anti-capitalist, there have to be ways, not just for people to pay, you know, on a sliding scale that gives them a 10% discount, but there has to be ways for people at all income levels to access all levels of our services, right? So for me as a, you know, it, as a business owner, I have some stuff that I sell that's like 50 bucks. And then I have some stuff that I sell that's like, you know, $2,500. And like, I want people I don't want to say to somebody who who like doesn't have really any money at all. I don't want to say to them, well, you can't afford my twenty five hundred dollars service. So instead, why don't you buy my fifty dollars e course? And like, you know, that will be just as good as what would happen for you if you worked with me for twenty five hundred dollars. Because clearly, that's not true. <laughs> right. Yes, I've seen a person that I used to respect selling like, oh, well, the group program, you just get so much more out of it than working with me individually because the group program, which obviously has like hundreds of people in it. I mean, it's, you just get right. the best result. I'm like bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think that the, the sort of like lower priced offering as an accessibility strategy is like well-meaning and, and often like not actually, it, it creates, it just like creates a system where all the poor people uh, it, are going to end up, you know, only being able to access the cheapest things that you have. And then, then who does that mean ends up working with you for, you know, the, the, the premium price, which also means the premium service, right? So like who actually gets access to that premium level of support? Well, if it's only people who can afford to pay you that premium price, it really, um, it creates, it creates some problems. So in terms of trying to like yeah. do business equitably. This is so tricky for me because I have taken accessibility to mean just like take whatever you do and then discount it by like 80% so that you're making absolutely nothing. And then that's accessibility, but that just breeds resentment because I can't afford to do what I do for 80% off because I only do what I do like for coaching, for example, with 20 people, like I can't just have 20 pay whatever you want. <laughs> Cause then my whole business is like blown up. Right. Um, so can you talk to me about those of us, most people, I would assume that you want to have like genuinely accessible, like good quality, amazing things. And also particularly in 2021, my capacity for, for work, for one-on-one -on -one relationships and for depth um, is more valuable than ever. 
because mm-hmm. I'm still here and I'm very engaged in the pursuit of depth, beauty, and intimacy as you, you know, move through having a business. So how do you or we or us make it so that it is really fair and equitable that everyone who gets to work with you is, is paying a fair price based on their income um, and how do we keep it from skewing toward like, listen, this shit's expensive. It makes you a bunch of money. I feel no shame about that. And who cares about accessibility? <laughs> like, right. where, where and how do we do that? And second question, um, the other part of that is like content marketing has sort of been sold to us as if you just do enough stuff for free for long enough, eventually people will pay. Um, And for someone who's been doing content marketing for, I don't know, 12 years, eventually you just get fucking tired of doing content marketing and giving things away for free. Yeah. 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 I I have lots of things to say about content marketing, but to answer the first question, (laughs) I think it's, (laughs) I have so many feelings about it. Um, So I think that the, the answer for me anyway, and I know that this won't work for every single person. And so like, don't take this listeners, don't take this as like a prescriptive, you absolutely have to do it the way I do it kind of thing. But like, you know, just your thoughts. I think that the, the, it's actually not that hard. (laughs) And so like, if I, if I can work with, you know, uh, if you can work with, what did you say? 20 clients, right? Mm -hmm. Like what would, what would it look like? to have two of those spots be available as like pay, truly pay what you can, like zero to whatever the actual cost of the offering is, and then raise your prices for the other 18 spots uh, by whatever percentage you would need to, to subsidize those two at zero, at potentially at zero dollars. So that like- It's not that complicated, you're right. It's really not that complicated, So I was right? like, okay, so then my whole bit, because it went all or nothing. So right. then all 20 clients can pay me zero to like, and I just imagine like they pay me $7 a month each. And I'm just like, okay, it's $140 <laughs> a month. I'm toast. <laughs> right, right. So I think that there's a, that kind of all or nothing thinking that thinks we either, says like we either have to like give everything away for zero or we have to charge really high prices and not, let no one in. Like is this sort of- um, that there is like a middle, a middle path that allows us to both like honor our own needs and our Mm -hmm. own survival inside of capitalism. And also allows us to like honor the like dignity and humanity of people who are poor. Right. That was really beautiful. Cause I just fell into that trap of like, no one's going to pay me then that's accessibility. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like I'll never get paid again. And I think that like, it's actually really so beautiful to have the conversations for me anyway to have the conversations that I have with my potential clients who are lower income because I get to like get on a you know what is essentially a sales call with them and then Mm -hmm. like when we get to the part where I say this thing costs x number of dollars here's the payment plan options does that would would one of these options that I've already laid out work for you and then they go like ah really no and then Mm -hmm. I'm like I just get to say cool what is a number that you could that you could pay each month that would feel um, feasible to you. Mm -hmm. And then you just stop there and let the person think, you know, and I, of course, like, whatever, there's like some backend stuff. I like send out these, I tell people all all, that we're going to talk about all of this stuff in advance. So they know Mm -hmm. that this question is coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when they say, you know, I can pay $50 a month for this thing that normally costs $500 a month, I'm able to say, great, that feels good for me because I've already budgeted that they might pay me zero. And so then the $50 yeah. that they're paying me a month yeah. is like actually just bonus money. So um, I'll just gravy at that point. Yeah, because exactly. it's not like, I need it. Exactly, there's no like desperation and there's no, so then there's no sense of like them trying to extract from me the most services for the least money. And there's no sense for me of trying to like extract from them the most money for the services that I'm gonna provide. Yeah, that can you talk a little bit more about extraction and that dynamic and what that looks like? And yeah, yeah. anything you want to say about extraction is great. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in the biggest picture, it's like we have, you know, created inside of capitalism, we've just like created all of these. Um, for, in order for capitalism to function, it just has to constantly find new things to exploit and extract, right? So we can like look mm-hmm. at that, mm-hmm. how that maps onto like um, the transatlantic slave trade, right? That was like a literal extraction and exploitation yep. of like bodies of human beings, right? For their labor. Yep. 
um, we can look at that and how it maps onto like colonization and the sort of like extraction and exploitation of land and also the peoples of those lands that were being colonized. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But then like on the smallest kind of like micro scale of like, I'm a single solo entrepreneur in business for myself, like extract, we like internalize those ideas that, that say that we are always supposed to be getting the most input for the least output. And it creates these really um, like tension filled relationships with our, with our clients where like, then I feel like resentful if somebody's not, if, if my mindset is extractive, then I feel resentful when someone pays me $50 for the same thing that someone else pays me $500 for. Or if I like can let go of the idea that I'm, I'm not trying to extract money from my clients, right? I'm just trying to get the money that I need in order to survive and give them the skills that I have so that they can also survive. And then we can have a relationship that is like, um, that is relational rather than transactional that is like generative rather than extractive. And like everybody gets to win and everybody gets to grow instead of like everybody trying to like pull one over on the other person. Yeah, everybody trying to get maximum bang for minimum buck. Yeah. 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 I, I like a story comes to mind about um, actually doing this in my business, right? So I said that like, I love those conversations where I get to say how much would work for you. Mm -hmm. And 99. But 5% of the time, those conversations are so beautiful and feel really like humanizing. And like, actually, I think kind of healing for people where I'm like, no, actually, whatever amount of money you can pay is okay. And like, mm -hmm. I, you, I'm not trying to tell you how you can feel, but like, I don't want you to feel shame about that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. And so like, that's how it is so much of the time. And this conversation about extraction is making me think of like the handful of times where it has not gone that way. And like, I have maybe twice in the, I don't know, seven years now that I've been having these conversations, um, have I had somebody show up on a call like that and like they were there to negotiate and they were like there to play hardball, right? And they were sort of like, um, they knew that I was like willing to take less than the, you know, the ticket price for my services. And they like came in with that mentality that was like, well, how much are you willing to take? Well, what's the least I could pay? And I ended up not working with either of those people because I was like, oh, we like really clearly have a mismatch of, um, sorry, can you hear the garbage truck outside? I can, I was like, are you moving your couch? <laughs> are you rearranging furniture? I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm working okay. from home just like everybody else. Yeah, as long as I know what it is, you aren't just like, this conversation is so boring that I'm rearranging furniture. <laughs> Fantastic. So yeah, the point where people were like, well then, I mean, that's what capitalism teaches us is like, well, you get the most bang for the buck. So then they show up wanting to get the most bang for the buck. You'd be like, you have missed the point entirely. Right. You'd like totally miss the point. And like those conversations feel so skeevy to me because I'm like, oh wow, like I'm trying to I'm actually not trying to extract from you and you are trying to extract from me because like that, that way of being is so ingrained in us that like mm -hmm. to show up to a conversation that's just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up for you generously and I want you to show up back for me generously. Like I'm mm -hmm. offering you the generosity of my services at whatever you can pay. And I'm like, the exchange is that you are going to generously offer whatever it is that you can actually pay and like, yeah, that feels so good to me. But that thing where it's like, well, what's the least I can, what's the least I can pay? What's the, you know, what's the least you're willing to take? It's just like, oh, that's, you, that's not the point. Yeah. Well, for you, it's, it's nothing. Cause I'm not going to work with you actually. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is not a fit. So, yeah. Um, so what are just like, I was like, accessibility means make it all worthless and cheap. Um, not necessarily. What are some of the mistakes that you see entrepreneurs make when in, either when engaging with capitalism or beginning to engage with anti-capitalism and then making it that sort of all or nothing space? Um, and because you work with business people and I'm sure you see the same things over and over and over again. And yeah. if you could talk about one or two of them, that would be awesome to save the rest of us from doing those same things. Yeah. I think like one of the, one of the most common things that comes up for, uh, for my clients is, is being afraid to actually charge what they need. Um, which is, is funny to say that as like a, as an anti-capitalist practice, but it's actually right? like 
Because like, I'm like, right, but the point should be to be the cheapest possible because that's anti-capitalist. <laughs> right. But it but it's not, right? It's like literally mm-hmm. Marx saying, like, to each according to his need, by each according to his need, to each according to his ability. Did I just mm-hmm. fuck that up? I think I just said it wrong, but uh, you know, you know this quote. We do, we do. Um, <laughs> right. So like uh the idea that like we're allowed to have, we're allowed to get what we need inside capitalism, um, I think can feel really counterintuitive for people who care about equity and care about justice um but like really letting yourself get very clear about what it is that you actually need to live your life and like in the city that you live or the place that you live right and like with the um expenses that you have and and really trying to to be really clear about what those needs are and then doing the kind of like you know that's the sort of um tactical work but then the the inner work of like okay and then how do i allow myself to get the things that i need which i know that's that's um that is a topic that you talk about and uh so i I know that's that's not news to your um to your people but like thinking of that as actually an anti-capitalist um practice i think is really um transformative for people yeah because that when we start to enter into there's a lot of like shame like I can feel it there's a lot of like shame in capitalism and when we start to talk about fair pricing the line between like fair pricing and exploitation is sometimes razor thin and so then we go into like guilt pricing and just scale everything down by 40 percent be like well that's for sure fair because I'm not getting what I need at all so that has to be good enough for everyone else (laughs) yeah yeah um to put a question a different way, just to see if anything else happens, um, what are some of the ways you've been able to practice commerce that aren't entirely capitalistic? Like if you had a business coach who was like capitalism coach, they would be like, you're fucking it up there. You're fucking it up. I mean, I think some of the things I've already named, right? Like being like, no, you can literally just pay me whatever you want for this service feels like it's right. so- <laughs> capitalism coach is like why no exactly they're like smoke (laughs) coming out of their ears they're like mind blown emoji the top of their head is falling off yeah okay (laughs) yeah um so I think that that part of being just like so sort of fiercely and staunchly committed to accessibility but like uh equally fiercely and staunchly committed to my own survival inside of capitalism Mm -hmm. um and like really not uh, not being willing to compromise on either of those things feels really, um, feels really useful to me. Um, what else comes up as like, uh, well, you wanted to talk about content marketing and if this is the place to do it. Okay. And if not, then okay. Yeah, great. No, we can, we can talk about content marketing. I feel like part of the, my beef with content marketing is the, um, the way that it's like, um, I think it's actually really related to consent culture um, and or or the lack thereof, right? And that there is this sort of like subtly or not so subtly coercive aspect of content marketing that's like um, just reminds me of so much kind of like dysfunctional relationship patterns of like, I'm just going to like martyr myself and give and give and give and then like quietly hope that you like will someday notice all the things I'm giving you and therefore like feel moved out of the goodness in your heart to like want to reciprocate in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, that just feels so related to patriarchy, feels related to, to um, the ways that, uh, you know, that women plus people are sort of like trained to always be um, overgiving and never sort of like advocating for their own needs. Um, mm-hmm. And the, and the sort of coercive aspect of like, well, um, I bought you dinner, so now you have to let me feel you up or whatever. <laughs> right, um, so pay attention to my programs and products now, thanks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like that sort of like, um, which just, again, like feels really extractive, feels really, um, it feels like a bait and switch, um, which is also why I don't have this is also like totally, it's terrible capitalist business advice. I don't have an, uh, an email opt-in and I never have. Um, and my email list continues to grow despite this fact, because to me, the, the opt-in is this sort of like weird bait and switch where we're like, I'm going to give you this free thing. Surprise. Now I'm going to send you 50 emails. Like, you know, and I think that there's just this like lack of transparency and lack of consent that creates so many icky feelings and like 
so many of my clients, I felt it. And so many of my clients, I feel like come and they're come to me and they're just like, whoa, I like don't want to do things in this way. But I, I like can't quite put my finger on why this feels bad, but like, it feels bad. It does. Yeah. And it, it, um, there's a lot of resentment on the other end of like, I just give and 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 this magical, like, and then the reward suddenly appears, doesn't happen. Um, so I also got rid of my opt-in. It's just a big, like, if you want to hear from me, yay, here's my list. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) It's just so much more, it's so much more transparent. And I feel like if you have cool shit that you want to give away for free, like, I don't know. I I can think of um, Mary Beth Bonfiglio does things this way. I'm sure there are others, but she's the example who comes to mind that when she like puts out something cool for free, she puts it on her website and she's like, here's the link to download the thing for free. Also, if you want to sign up for my newsletter, here's where you can do that. But like, you can just have the thing for free because I actually just want you to have it. Mm -hmm. And that feels so much clearer to me that it's like, I don't want to like entrap people into signing up for my email list if they don't want, if they don't actually want to be there, which like, of course people can unsubscribe and there are, you know, tripwires for consent that are legally mandated and all of that stuff. But it just feels like it sets up the dynamic between, um, you know, the, the business owner and the potential client as like already, uh, already extractive and already coercive in a way that it just doesn't, I think we, we've really like lost, um, lost our imagination by all of these, like consuming for me anyway, like consuming so much kind of like business advice content that just Mm -hmm. is like, this is the way it has to be. This is what you have to do. And, um, it's just a cishet white woman with a big opt-in selling a multi-thousand dollar program (laughs) to hundreds and hundreds of people (laughs) with an incredibly profitable half and half affiliate profit sharing program that just happens to be like the preeminent model. Um, but it's actually not that interesting. So (laughs) I wanted to talk about, um, I want to talk about a lack of, a lack of, of motivation, not whoa, whoa, loss of imagination was what I wrote down. I got great. Um, because it is that it's really fucking boring. We have this beautiful cis het white epitome of ableism and prestige, um, telling everyone else what to do. And it's actually really fucking boring a lot of the time because everybody just copies person a, and then yep. you have 14,000 person A's and they're impossible to differentiate between. And they're all just like the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. So can you speak to the loss of imagination within capitalism and like a way or two that we can start to like back away from that? Like it has to be done this way that it, yeah. not just exterior, but interior, that little voice that's like, no, you can't do it that way. It has to be done this way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, for me, like the first question that I always ask whenever I'm like reading business advice is like, to what end? Like, to what end would I do that, right? So when people are like, in order to appease the Instagram algorithm, you have to um, you have to post every single day. And I'm like, to what end would I post every single day? Like, what would be the point of doing that for me? Mm-hmm. Um, what would be, what is the person who's telling me to do this, trying to, trying to, um, help me to do by doing this. Right. And if like the mm-hmm. point was, okay, if, if my goal is to try to get, you know, a, a bazillion followers and become like an Instagram in- influencer, then maybe like posting every single day matters. And like, that may be business advice that I want to take. But like, if my goal is to like slowly grow my community with like organic engagement and followers who are actually interested in my work, then like, maybe I can post less frequently than that. And that's okay. But yep. I feel like that, like, part of what happens with all the formulas is that we like, I think we lose access to, to like imagination because we've, we've lost access to critical thinking <laughs> as, like the, <laughs> as like the precursor to imagination. And so we have that in order to, I feel like it's like two parts, right? Like in order to interrupt the sort of status quo of, of like, this is how things have to be. This is how things are. We have to sort of go like, but really, but why, but like, what does that mean? And who is that meant for? And who's profiting off of selling me this particular advice? Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think like the flip side of it is like, yeah, just this, like, instead of that kind of, you know, instead of, in addition to the kind of like pushing back against energy of like, I'm pushing back against capitalism, I'm pushing back against, you know, status quo business advice. But then on the flip side, there's this other space, which is like, but then what, like, and, and what instead? And, and I think that the, for me, imagining a world where, uh, 
everybody has what they need. There is space and time for like ease and beauty in our day to day. Like no one is hungry. Everyone is housed. Like people are like safe and healthy and well. Um, you know, we are working to dismantle systems of oppression inside our hearts and, and, you know, in the world or like in, when I imagine that world, like one, I have to believe that that world is possible. Mm -hmm. Two, I have to be like actively doing something to work towards it every day. And, and to really like, as a business owner, ask myself, what would need to happen for, for us to get there? What is like one, what are, what is one way that I could like change something inside my business that would like push us a little bit in that direction, like move the needle just a tiny bit towards like a more sort of like loving and humane and liberated future. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, I don't know, that makes me think of Adrian Marie Brown's work and like fractals and like the things that happen on the smallest scale are like, uh, you know, things happen on the smallest scale and then sort of they, you know, they expand outward. It's like everything mirrors everything else. And so in the same way that systems of oppression are happening on the largest scale and the smallest scale, like so too can our, you know, our radical imaginings of, of doing things in a different way that like doing, making one small change inside your business, like actually can shift culture. And like, when we start to shift culture, like everything shifts. Yes. Oh yes. And uh, Adrienne Marie Brown is worth listening to in anywhere you can find her podcast book I don't care just Adrian Marie Brown is a goddamn genius and she often talks about how we like we live inside someone else's imagination right now yeah yeah and their imagination is this capitalist white supremacist really sort of spiritually bereft culture yeah yeah I have this post-it note that's stuck to my kitchen one of my kitchen cabinets that just says radical imagination for systemic liberation. And I like hold that as kind of like a working principle in my life. <laughs> Let me write it down. Let me like on my little, like on my pen and paper. All right. Radical imagination. And is that one of your, or is that Adrian or is that? I mean, the radical imagination, I feel like I've like heard that from Adrian Marie Brown and lots of other places. Okay. Um, the idea of like systemic liberation is a thought that I'm sure many other people have had, but is a thought that sort of came to me, um, but like separate from having heard it anywhere else. Awesome. Um, and I think of that kind of thing of like systemic liberation is like the, the, the sort of polar opposite of uh, systemic oppression, right? Like, what does it look like for us to start enacting mm -hmm. liberation inside of systems? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think of my business as a tiny system Mm -hmm. so like, is, yeah. right so then like how do I do radical how do I bring radical imagination into the tiny system of my business and so then like how do I enact practices of systemic liberation inside this tiny system that I am the author of you know that I am mm -hmm. the, the sort of arbiter of so yeah and I, I that's like part of why I love it makes me laugh like I think about my 15 year old self uh looking at me as a 38 year old now and going like, sorry, you teach marketing, <laughs> right? Sorry, sorry, what? But like, I think that they would be really confused, but also like, I, it feels so right and true to me because the, like for people in business, like we get to, we get to make our own worlds. Like a business is a world and like, we are, we are, you know, able to make the world that we want to make. Um, mm -hmm. And that feels really powerful, really transformative to me. It is. I'm going to write down a business is a world. We get to make the world we want to make. And I, I hope that my 15 year old self is like sort of trying to understand. <laughs> my 15 year old self is slightly confused, but also like, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Marketing really like, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, can you give us any examples and it's okay if you can't of that particular sort of concept, radical imagination for systemic liberation playing out in your business slash we're wrapping up our time together. So if you want to pitch a product, I'm so <laughs> down. <laughs> um, God, there's so, I mean, there's so many things I feel like, uh, Okay, like uh, two things that come to mind. I um, I recently rewrote my client policies, my like collaboration guidelines is what I actually call them. But mm -hmm. I used to have a um, I used to have a policy that basically said like try hard to show up 
as fully as you can in the time that we have together. Like, let's make the most of it, come prepared, be ready to go. Like, let's do the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I also had one that basically said like, try really hard to do all your homework before you come to our sessions, because like, I want you to get the most out of this time. You're paying me like, let's do the thing. Mm -hmm. And I have recently rewritten them. And like now the one about like showing up and being ready and whatever says, um, <laughs> I think the heading is like unprofessionalism. And it says like, I am actively working to unlearn oppressive notions of professionalism. And I invite you to try to do that here in this space with me. Um, feel so free, good. right? Like, and it, it literally says like, feel free to be a whole human being in this space. If you are, um, you know, if you're, if your body has needs, if you need to, like, if you need to pee, if you need a stretch break, if you need water, if like your dog barks or your kid cries or the UPS guy shows up at the door in the middle of our session, like all of those things are okay. You're a whole human being. So am I, let's bring our whole selves to the space. And then like the same thing with the homework one. Now it says like, uh, we all, have, many of us who, you know, who experienced like, uh, you know, schooling in, in our childhoods, like have a lot of shame and baggage around homework and performing, like performing well in school. Mm -hmm. And so um, take all your homework assignments as totally consent-based, do them if they feel good for you. If they don't feel good for you, feel free to opt out. If you don't do them, we can unpack what got in the way, but like, don't let not doing your homework be a barrier to keep you from showing up at our at our session, sort of keep you from scheduling your next call or whatever. And it just like, that shit is so simple, but it creates so much spaciousness and so much ease for people where I'm like, you actually don't have to perform for me. Like, I just want you to be a whole person. Like, however you are is okay. Like, let's just be together. And that feels, that feels radical to me. That feels like radical imagination for systemic liberation. Because it is, yeah, if all of your humanity is welcome, well, that's just, yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. Instead of just like, oh, I can't talk about that or 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 that. But let's talk about marketing. Yeah, that's really, really beautiful. I really, really love that. To that point, one of the things I've realized is I have, I literally at some point, because all of my students are like super type A, I got a roll of gold stickers, like gold stars. Yeah. And then I send them for effort. Like you did the thing. It doesn't matter if that thing turns out or not. You just get gold stars for having done the thing. And you can reward these five for anything else that you happen to do that you're proud of in the coming month. <laughs> yeah. 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 Getting away from results based and more effort based or more just like you, you fucking tried. You showed up. You did the thing. Um, Damn. It's so, it's so crucial. It's so good. Um, yeah, I guess like my, my, uh, my low key pitch, I'm like, I'm, I have a waiting list for clients. So if people want to hire me one-on-one, -on -one, that's like coming in the summer, I'm going to, um, open enrollment for a business consult, like consulting group program, business coaching group program in May. Before that, I have a, how to do Instagram on your own terms course that's coming sooner than that. But dates, TBD, how is my energy level today? What's going to happen? I'm hoping to get that out by the end of March, but we'll see what happens. Right, because um, pandemic and, you know, like the... Yeah, just, just yeah. human... <laughs> the crumbling of the free world, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just make uh, random groaning noises over here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so where can people find you on the internets and on the on the socials and all of that good stuff? Yes, um, my website is bearcoaches.com. Um, and, uh, they can also find some of my work at undoingpatriarchy.com. That's where I, um, do, do that work. Um, and then on social media, I'm, uh, I'm only really on Instagram and my handle is at bear a bear with an underscore at the end of it. Um, and yeah, I'm there, I'm there pretty regularly right now. And I like, you know, technically I have a Facebook page, but I'm never there. So <laughs> no need to share. No need yep. to share. Yeah. Um, and then as a closer, cause I'm like, well, I'm wildly intrigued cause I find Instagram to be like a, it's not fun for me, shall we say? Um, yeah. and so any teaser preview Instagram on your own terms with bear a bear starting <laughs> with this hot tip, which is. Uh, the, the hot tip that I'm about to say, is that what you mean? Yes. It's a, <laughs> I mean, it's a mad lib of pitching yourself. <laughs> great. Uh, my current, my current hot tip is divorce the algorithm. Um, 
you don't need you don't need the algorithm. You don't, you don't need to give a shit about the algorithm. Uh, it is not your friend. It is not going to help you. It's um, really abusive. Yeah. It's totally abusive and there are ways to, to get around it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that class is going to be, um, a little bit sort of like, uh, it, like it may not actually be a totally great fit for you. Cause I feel like you pretty much rock your content marketing. Uh, it's going to be some content marketing basics. Like, uh, what is the, what is the sort of marketing cycle? How do you get people to know about you, like you and trust you, et cetera, mm -hmm. what, mm -hmm. how to decide what the heck you should post, um, how to figure out how often, what to do about scheduling or not scheduling. Um, yeah, cetera, but do you know how excited so, I am to have someone to refer people to that's not like double your Instagram following no matter what and who gives a fuck about anything but how many people follow you the end. Yeah, yeah. And also like we're going to talk about like how to do social media whenever the world is on fire, like what to do, which I know like, yeah, that's that is a, <laughs> it's a uh, tricky one. <laughs> it's tricky and I feel like it's like uh, relevant like never never more than now uh, right <laughs> so yeah we're gonna talk about all kinds of fun stuff so coming soon fantastic so if everyone would go to bearcoaches.com and then you do not get an opt-in freebie you just fucking put your email address into <laughs> their box and that's amazing uh, yes. yeah anytime I get an email from you I'm like yes uh, yep. Um, now I just want to make a joke about putting it in my box because I'm on the That's What She Said podcast. Yes. So. <laughs> I realized as I was saying that, I was like, put it in their box. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not bad advice. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a, <laughs> is it an episode of That's What She Said? If there's, I don't know. I feel like I just want to make sex jokes when I'm here. So here we are. I'm all right with that. I'm completely Great. all right with that. <laughs> Okay, so um, this has been us, everybody. Again, this is Bear A Bear. You went ahead to bearcoaches.com. I hope that you're in love. I hope that you thought about things. I hope that you're like, oh my God, I'm going to show up generously and I'm not going to let a loss of imagination do a goddamn thing to my soul. We're with you. Uh, I will see all of you next time. Bear, thank you so much for being here. And um, you can just shoot me an email letting me know what you think about this, k at kristenkelp.com, or slide into my DMs on Instagram while I'm there at K-K-A-L-P. And uh, I'll see you in just a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine, while quietly, or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.